Josh Donaldson, the shortstop. More on that in a moment. Welcome to Fantasy Baseball Today, normal show. Adam Scott now with you here. Uh, we're going to talk about some some red hot twins. Lucas Giolito's 2017 debut. Wait, did I just say Adam Scott and Al? Yeah, I said normal show. <laughs> Force of habit. It's like Al. a throwback. Al Melchior. Tweets, tweets from 2011. Yeah, yeah, right. What's up, Al Belchior? How you doing? Hey, doing great. Uh, fun to be back. It, it is awesome to have you here. Where I you... was back. Uh, what Scott was about a month ago. Uh, you hosted the show, Scott. Yeah, right during on... the All Star break. It was oh, okay, the two yeah. of us joined by Chris midway through. Yeah, you I wasn't there. Fun. Who cares? Was I wasn't just... there. I don't care. <laughs> this <laughs> is the real one. When Adam's not. When when Adam's there, it doesn't really happen. And it just so happens that we have plenty to talk about from yesterday. But before we get to that, are you hiring? With ZipRecruiter.com, you can post your job to 100-plus job sites, including social media networks like Facebook and Twitter. You can do that all with a single click. So try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash strike. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash strike. All right, Al. It's good to have you on. Good to be here. Update us on your life. Uh, well, uh, rounding out, uh, with just what, five weeks left in the season, a little more than five weeks, uh, first season, post CBS, been busy, uh, fan rag sports, fan graphs, uh, my own blog, almelker.com, the weekly matchup report, uh, that's a subscription newsletter, uh, that's all that's been keeping me busy. That's oh, awesome. and fan rag fantasy baseball on fantasy sports network. Yes, yes. You're a podcaster now? I am. I hope you've learned a lot from your your time with us that you've brought into. You think your... of Adam as a mentor for you? Uh, it taught me everything I know. So uh, not a mentor though, just like a by example. Exactly. Yeah. Not that. Yeah, we didn't sit down and you know no. have a seminar or anything. <laughs> All right, let's talk. Let's talk baseball. Al, I'll let you lead the show. What What's the big story that you want to talk about on this Wednesday afternoon? Uh. You know, there is so much to, to get to here. Well, you know what? Let's, let's start with the Josh Donaldson thing. Cause, you know, even if you're not uh, in the thick of it in your races, uh, this year, I mean, that, that's, that's a big, potentially big impact for next year. And I was surprised cause I got a, a Twitter question a couple days ago about whether or not Donaldson was going to continue to play shortstop. And I said, Oh, this has just got to be a temporary thing. And then like an hour after that, I saw a report that he might be playing there regularly. So it, that seems to be the case for right now. So, um, I, yeah, it's, it's a, I, I think it puts him on close to a par with Carlos Correa for next year. Yeah, uh, that's if he interesting. Gets 20 games. You think, you think it's likely he'll get that many? Uh, I, I right now say, we're just looking I, at five for this year. He's at four right now. Right. He gets one more. He'll be shortstop eligible to close out 2017. But it'll take 15 beyond that for 2018. And I'm, you know, maybe, but. Yeah, I'll take the under on it, but it, it is a possibility. It's, yeah. it's not, it's not crazy talk at this point. Well, yeah, I think he's clearly top five just rest of this season. Right. He gets that one more game. Right. Yeah. I mean, top five or top, top two. Well, cause you're going to get Trey Turner back <laughs> pretty soon. You're going to get Carlos Correa back hopefully in a couple weeks. I mean, I think I'm guessing we'd take Machado over Donaldson, but who else? I would, I would still, take, yeah, sorry, go ahead, Scott. I, I would take Correa over him, and I think you could make a case for, when Turner comes back, you can make a case for him in Roto. Uh, I think Lindor's still in the discussion. I'd take Donaldson over him, I guess, but not by a huge amount. I, okay, not yeah. to, not to, you know, be annoying, but if Donaldson's gonna have even one more week than Correa, I mean, I feel like I would have to take Donaldson. You know? Uh, you know what, I'll agree because I think that they're, First of all, we don't know if Correa is going to be at 100% of what he was before the injury. So you got to take that into account too. And I think they're close enough, uh, even assuming that Correa is back at full, full, uh, full steam that I would agree with that. So for you, Al, it would be just Machado ahead of Donaldson or what? Uh, I agree with Scott on Turner. On Turner. But okay. yeah, just, just those two. All right, man, it's crazy. I mean, what a game changer. What a friggin' game changer. And Jose Bautista is now third base eligible, by the way. He's the, based on what he's done so far, the number 17 third baseman in points leagues, number 28 in Roto. It's, isn't it funny? Because when, when Al was last on, we were talking about Freddie Freeman just gaining third base eligibility and where he ranks among third basemen. Isn't it funny how it, it, it seems like defense for a while there was becoming 
the, the emphasis on it was increasing, but it seems like the last couple of years managers have done, ha, have been more willing to play players out of position at premium positions. We had Freeman for a while there. Anthony Rizzo played an inning at third base last yeah. night, <laughs> throws left handed. Yeah. But he got an inning there. And of course he got the second base eligibility for weird reasons, but still we had Manny Machado shortstop eligible last year. It's, it's kind of funny and, and kind of annoying, frankly, that so many great players can be eligible in so many positions. Defense is overrated. Offense wins I mean, maybe. It seems like it's skewing that way again based on uh, manager behavior. Yeah. All right, let me uh, let me guide us through the rest of the show here because we're uh, we're rusty. Nobody knows when to speak. So let's talk. I'm going to give you guys three standouts from Tuesday, and you tell me if they should be owned in more leagues. Eddie Rosario homered again. He's batting 300 with 18 home runs. Eddie Rosario is 67 percent owned. Jorge Polanco is 10 percent owned. He homered for the third straight game, and he's batting 382 in August with three home runs. And Lucas Giolito had an okay start. He gave up three homers. Four runs and six innings, no walks, four strikeouts for Giolito against the Twins. Giolito is 52% owned. Eddie Rosario, 67%. Jorge Polanco, 10%. Lucas Giolito, 52%. Al, do you uh, think these guys should be owned in more leagues? Uh, I, I don't know about Giolito. Um, that's actually, that number looks about right to me. But I would say for the, the two Twins, yeah, definitely. Uh, and especially Eddie Rosario. And um, I, I wrote a piece earlier this week for FanRag about five players who have really good um, schedules rest of season in terms of their venues. Rosario is one of them, and he's already hot. Mm, wow. So Ros- Rosario and uh, Max Kepler, uh, both being lefties, uh, of course, same team. Uh, those they, they both hit really well at target field, and they're going to a lot of parks that favor left-handed batters. So to me, Eddie Rosario, given what he's done recently, and, and not just, you know, very recently, but over the last couple of months, on top of a really favorable schedule going ahead, I, I think he should be, you know, 85, 90% owned at this point. Wow. And I understand this time of season, not everybody is picking up players, but I still think he should be much more, more owned. Scott White. Yeah, I agree he should be more owned. I, I actually was working on my outfield rankings, rest of season rankings before the podcast, and I moved Rosario up to about 60th there, which I know doesn't sound particularly high, but it's ahead of players who I know are much more owned than he is. Um, uh, like, uh, oh, what's a good example? Cargo, um, Schwarber. Yeah, definitely. For goodness Schwarber. sake. Avi, Avisel Garcia. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's, it's kind of what, and I feel like what's happened to Rosario is kind of what we were saying with Jonathan Scope yesterday. It's, it's not that he's a radically different player. He still has the same strengths and weaknesses. Just at age 25, he's gotten stronger and you add power to what he already had and it's made him mixed league relevant. All right. Yeah. Would you rather have Rosario or, or Jose Bautista? Who's had like one good week in his last eight? I still start him. Why am I starting Jose Bautista? Jose Bautista or, or Rosario? I'd rather have Rosario. Yeah. Yeah. To be it's a no-brainer, Rosario. Yeah. What the hell is the matter with me? I got fooled. He had a good week like two weeks ago. I got <laughs> fooled. Why am I starting you, Jose Bautista? Uh, all right. So there, there's actually a lot of news that we need to get to. Uh, Lucas Giolito though at 52%. Would you start him this weekend against Detroit? Scott White, Lucas Giolito against Detroit. I needed to see more in that first start. I was impressed that he didn't walk anybody because that's been his biggest problem in the minors the last two years. But he he also has seen his velocity drop in the minors the last two years. He averaged about 93 on his fastball, which isn't low, but it's about average for a starting pitcher these days. And I just uh, I don't think with all the home runs he gave up, it's it's enough for, to change my perception of him as a. Uh, a prospect whose stock was sinking rapidly. Alrighty, so here's the big news. Chris Bryant is day to day with a bruised hand. Let me just tell you guys, I had a really tough day yesterday with fantasy baseball. Fantasy baseball hated me yesterday. Some of the players on my important teams include Chris Bryant, uh, Jason Kipnis, Cody Bellinger, who I started this week, uh, Kelvin Herrera. It was a bad day. A lot, a lot of like annoying injuries. So Bryant's day to day. He hopefully will be back missing at most one game. Danny Salazar on the DL with elbow stiffness and Alex Wood on the DL with shoulder inflammation. Scott, do either Salazar or Wood seem like they'll be out a while? Well, I know Salazar's MRI checked out. So I, I suspect they'll both be back 
within a couple weeks, mid-September, I would say. They're, they're, they're worth stashing. All right, that's Wood and Salazar. Carlos Correa took batting practice yesterday. Cody Bellinger's on the DL. Joey Gallo is on the seven-day concussion DL. I saw this note, Al. How could this be true? This has to be false. But it was on a reputable website. I won't even say the website because I'm so sure it's false. J.D. <laughs> Martinez has homered against every MLB team. Could that possibly be true? He homered against the Mets I, yesterday. It's uh, it's close enough to believable that if you've sought a reputable place, I I would believe it. But yeah, I wouldn't have expected that. In his career. In his right? career, not, yeah. Not this year. He In doesn't his career. have twenty nine home runs. How how is that possible? This this definitely two. happened apparently. I think it's possible in early play. Yeah, exactly. And now he's, you know, he already has 10 home runs as a Diamondback this year. I can't, I mean, that's amazing to me that he's homered against every team. He's been in the National League for a month or like two <laughs> or whatever, but still. Um, all right. So I guess I'll let it go. MLB.com is where I saw that. Good job, MLB.com. Jackie Bradley day to day with an injured thumb. Jackie Bradley's heating up, so let's hope he gets back out there. Congratulations, Aaron Judge. You did not strike out. You ended your 37-game streak. Al Melchior, what are your feelings on Mr. Aaron Judge, other than the fact that he just looks great in pinstripes? Uh, well, I think he'll, he'll look great uh, in your fantasy box score, too, at, at some point again uh, this season. Uh, I mean, it, it, he's just been a player of extremes this year. But um, you know, there's, he, I think he's going to be able to bring that strikeout rate down eventually. Was quite a bit better in the minor leagues. And, uh, not, that wasn't great, but it'll, you know, I think you can get down to the mid twenties, whether it's rest of the season this year or next year. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I'm keeping him in my lineup. Okay. What round are you taking Aaron Judge next year in a 12 team league? Uh, I'd go for him in the second. Ooh. Okay. Okay. Cool. Which is what we've all been saying. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, you don't, you didn't need to make the shocked noise, Adam. I initially was, was thinking uh, third round, but yeah, he probably deserves to be in the second round. Late okay. second, I'm thinking. Uh, Jason Kipnis left with a hamstring with hamstring tightness. He's had hamstring issues already this year. Kelvin Herrera left with forearm tightness. Johnny Cueto made a rehab start, and Max Scherzer is expected to start Friday. And Heath and I actually interviewed Max Scherzer yesterday for the Fantasy Football Today podcast. I encourage you to listen to it. Uh, I asked him about Gio Gonzalez. I asked him about DH or no DH. He wouldn't really take a side. I wanted him to take a side. He said he didn't care. Just everybody should have the same rules. What he should have said is no DH. DHs are terrible. But listen to the Max Scherzer interview. It's going to air tomorrow in the Fantasy Football Today podcast. Uh, here's a category, a new section called, what the heck? Doug Fister and Kyle Gibson. Fister, complete game, one run, six Ks at Cleveland. Gibson. Seven innings, one run, eight strikeouts at the White Sox. What the heck, Scott White? Was what we said about Doug Fister yesterday when we were looking ahead to to uh, Tuesday's matchups, was that haunting you last night? What was it like, never start As him he, no matter what? Basically, yeah. 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 And he, he pitched nine consecutive no-hit innings yeah. yesterday because he gave up a leadoff home run. <laughs> so... That he threw it over. I mean, it was a fluke, a complete and utter fluke, and I'm not really looking to pick him up anywhere, but I think it's just one of those instances where you throw up your hands and say, that's baseball, and move on to the next day. Al, will you be throwing up your hands and saying, that's baseball about both Doug Fister and Kyle Gibson? Oh, yeah, and what the heck. Yeah, what the yeah. heck was that all about? <laughs> he outduels big time Carlos Carrasco, which brings us to our next segment, Struggling Studs. Carlos Carrasco, Aaron Nola, and Jimmy Nelson. Carrasco, third start in his last five, allowing five or more earned runs. One of them wasn't really his fault. There was a bad play made in right field on a Jacoby Ellsbury fly ball that cost Carrasco a lot of runs. But his ERA is up to 395. He is still, though, the number 13 starting pitcher in points and roto, Carrasco. Aaron Nola, two bad starts in a row, 15 swinging strikes on 189 pitches in those two starts. He had a 171 ERA in the 10 starts before that, but we know Nola's a little streaky, and he's got the Cubs coming up this weekend. And Jimmy Nelson, yeah, I mean, five innings, three runs, three walks, six strikeouts at the Giants. I'm not impressed, but he is lined up for two starts next week <laughs> against the Cardinals and the and the Nationals. Al, are you worried about any of these three, Carrasco, Nola, and Nelson going forward? Maybe a little bit about Nola because, like you said, he's streaky, and the thing is that Nola's streakiness I think in pretty much every, every instance is co- coincided with the health issue. 
and he's had his share of them. So I'm, I'm, I'm just kind of, uh, primed to be on pins and needles with Aaron Nola to start with. So back to back, uh, bad starts or, you know, mediocre starts, I would say. And I, I could give him a, a pass with the low strikeout total against the Giants because as bad as they are, they don't really strike out. So you flip that around. I'm actually mildly impressed by the Jimmy Nelson start that he actually did get six Ks in five innings against the Giants, but he only lasted five innings. So, uh, but that said, none of the three are experiencing, uh, any velocity drops. So I find that encouraging for all three and Carrasco in particular. I just don't see anything in those game logs that concerns me. Uh, he seems to be the same pitcher. So, uh, just giving up a lot of hits on balls and play over those five starts. He's always been kind of a, Higher ERA than you'd expect, guy. Yeah. And yeah. Well, he has I, I starts just, like this. I think a it's lot. just part of the environment he's pitching in. I mean, yeah. You can, like you said, near four ERA, and he's a, basically a top twelve pitcher, which is about what we ranked him as coming into the year. So I, I would say Carlos Carrasco's season is unfolding as expected. Yeah. Uh, the other two, Nola and Nelson, they both had quote unquote breakout seasons and were. Seeing them hit a rough patch here, but I'm not particularly worried about either. I mean, Nola, we've chronicled the changes that both made that have resulted in the breakout this year. Nola's velocity's up this year. Better secondary pitches. Nelson better control and better secondary pitches. I don't think that's changed. Would you start Aaron Nola against the Cubs this weekend? Uh, I would. Al? Yeah, I would too. Al, tell me something. Scott, you tell me something. When was the last time you uh, you got your ladies some flowers? Um, uh, I I got my ladies some flowers just earlier this week. Oh, the pro flowers, flowers. Yes, I pro flowers provided me with flowers to provide to my lady, and I thanked them very much because it went over quite well. Damn right, Al. How yes. about you? How about you? Uh, uh, Mary Beth's allergic to flowers. Uh, really? <laughs> yeah. What a nice built-in excuse you have. That is terrific. <laughs> I you love to get it. more creative. That's uh, the downside. Oh, all right. Well, that's, listen. That's, yeah. Yeah. No, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but but yeah, <laughs> it's never a bad idea to get your lady some flowers. And uh, proflowers.com did send us some flowers last week because they wanted us to talk about it on the show and tell you how beautiful the bouquets were. They really were great. And as Scott said. Went over really well, and this is something that uh, you know. Right before I got married, I asked a friend, kind of jokingly, "Hey, do you have any any tips for marriage?" He said, "You know, small gifts from time to time are can go a long way, and then take getting your your lady flowers every now and then is a really good idea." And look, yeah, it's a little expensive, but we'll get you twenty percent off. So how about that at proflowers.com? Proflowers.com really gave us something absolutely gorgeous last week, and I think you'll really like their selection. What you can do is get 20% off any of their unique summer rose bouquets or any other bouquet of 29 or more dollars. It's not that expensive, but still 20 bucks off anything more than 29, uh, 20% off anything more of $29. Proflowers.com. Here's our promo code. It's A-N-S. A-N is in Nancy, at like Adam, Nancy, Scott. Uh, A-N-S is our promo code. So proflowers.com. And when you check out, type in A-N-S. Uh, and you will get 20% off any of their unique summer rose bouquets or any other bouquet of $29 or more. Really nice stuff. If you're thinking, oh, let's get some flowers, proflowers.com, promo code A, N as in Nancy, S as in Scott. I had this, We need to get Nancy on this podcast sometime. We do. We do. We could just call Al Nancy, I guess. Al, what did I call you? Uh, on? I, I knew that was coming. What did I call you on the text message the other night? Oh, uh, like Brendan or something like that? It was actually a pretty funny exchange. <laughs> <laughs> I had a typo. And, uh. Um, sure it was. Yeah. Oh, Darren. Uh, I think I meant to type, uh, oh, I, I wrote around 11.30 Eastern, but instead I wrote right around 11.30 Darren. And you said, sounds <laughs> what, good. What kind of autocorrect is that? I don't know. Sounds good. Stop calling me Darren. That's what, <laughs> that's what Al said. Classic Al. All right. So I had a really, I think, ridiculous debate. I don't even know how it's a debate at this point with Heath. I said, who would you rather have going forward, Gary Sanchez or Buster Posey? And he said Posey this year. Fine, fine. But then no, he, he said – No, 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 he didn't because he's an ageist and he would never pick Posey. He'd pick Posey. But then he said he'd take Posey next year too. 
And that just blew my mind. So settle a debate for me this year or next year. Al, you can go first. Gary Sanchez or Buster Posey? Oh, yeah, it's Gary Sanchez. I mean, he's younger. He's got the much better lineup. I'm, I'm assuming that the Giants are going to do such a radical overhaul that they're going to somehow have a better lineup than the Yankees with all the great young hitters. So it's, it's easily at Sanchez. Well, I was looking at your – because you put the fantasy points per game comparison in here, which is very helpful. Sanchez, of course, is on a power tear right now, so maybe not the fairest time to gauge his per-game production, but it's a 3.41 versus Posey's 3.02. Huge Big difference. Big gap. Huge difference, yeah. But I was looking at the uh, – this is something I actually hadn't noticed as the season's gone on just because, you know, Posey's such an automatic at catcher. He's not playing as consistently as we're used to him playing. That that was always the additional advantage beyond the production was just he was virtually an everyday player at a position where nobody plays every day, and that's that's begun to end probably because of the age factor Al jokingly mentioned. Uh, so that might be enough to for me to go ahead and, and, and slot Sanchez ahead. I think Sanchez, as long as he stays catcher eligible, and like he's been terrible behind the plate this year, as long as he stays catcher eligible, like he's gonna be one of the most valuable players in fantasy for for years. He's gonna be the next Posey. Maybe, yeah, yeah. So hooray for him. Go Yankees. Uh, let's talk about this year's underachievers. This year's underachievers. So yesterday we talked about some some overachievers, guys having career years: Hosmer, Mustakas, Elvis Andrews, someone else that I don't remember. Scott, do you remember who it was? The fourth. I wasn't over, listening the, to what you were building up to. The overachievers sorry. from yesterday. We talked. About, I was thinking about the the conversation we were just having. <laughs> Go Classic Yankees. Scott. Hosmer, Mustakis, <laughs> Elvis Andrews. Ah, eh, whatever. Who cares? Four, um, four underachievers from this year. What does 2018 look like? And once we're done with this, we'll talk about guys like John Lackey, Jamison Tyone, Lance Lynn, Tanner Roark. Plus, Double Dongs from yesterday, Eugenio Suarez, Nick Castellanos, Ryan Healy. Uh, Tommy Pham has been cold. AJ Pollock's been cold. Matt Kemp has been pathetic. So we'll get into that. But let's let's look a little bit into the future. And uh, four guys who I think are underachievers, probably going to fight with Scott about the first one. Mookie Betts. Mookie Betts is uh, number five outfielder in points, but number 13 in Roto. He's batting 264 with 18 home runs and 18 steals. A ton of runs, 81 runs. 59 walks, 59 strikeouts. He's been really good. Really good. He hasn't been top three pick good. Um, Scott, what do you think for Betts next year? Should he be a top three pick? No, he shouldn't. He'll be a top 12 pick for me. And, yeah, I guess technically speaking, he was my number two outfielder. He hasn't been the second best outfielder, so he has underachieved. But you took Mookie Betts second overall. He's not the reason you're losing, you know? That's and true. I mean, this is probably as bad as it gets for him with that batting average, 266 BABIP versus 322 last year. His BABIP has pretty much always co- like it mirrored his batting average throughout his career. Um, so, you know, 322 BABIP last year, he hit 318. The year before, 310 BABIP, he hit 291. Clearly has not uh, had the best of luck, but... Uh, Still managed to be a top five outfielder in points, top twelve more or less in Roto. I, I think 13. there's not really any concern here. Yeah, I, well, I even though he's had a bad year for him, you know, c- compared to last year, down a uh, disappointing year. I still think Betts would probably be a top five pick for me. Mm, yeah, hmm. uh, next year, Al. How do you feel about that? Yeah, top five. Uh, you know, I'd say probably not for me. I, I think I'm with Scott probably later in the first round. Uh, I, I had a little bit of skepticism about him maintaining last year's power numbers. Um, it, maybe it's just, uh, you know, confirming what I already <laughs> suspected. Uh, I'm not sure what the deal is with the BABIP, especially playing home games at Fenway Park. It seems like he, he could easily bounce back in terms of batting average. But last year is, is kind of looking more like the outlier for bets at this point. And the other thing I would just bring up, and this is just a kind of, continue a discussion that I had with you guys like a year ago or maybe longer. Uh, if you remember, I talked about how Betts was really reliant on polling oh, yeah. uh, pitches oh, yeah. for for his power numbers mm-hmm. and how I thought that eventually pitchers might try to pitch him more of the outside. Pitchers are, are not pitching him any differently this year. Hmm. But 
he's not generating as much power on the inner third of the plate this year for some reason. He's got lower exit velocity in that zone. I don't know why, but um, and I don't know how to interpret that because it could be that maybe it's something he fixes and and he does fully uh, recover next year. Uh, I don't know what the answer is, but I, I guess what that means is it does leave open some some uh, possibilities in terms of him uh, being uh, having a full rebound next year. But I just don't think I'm going to need to to splurge with a, a top five or six pick to well, get him. And, yeah, and I don't want and I don't want to with that uncertainty. Can we can we talk about this for a second with Al here? Because I mean, I think we'd all agree we take Trout over him, we take Goldschmidt over him, we take Altuve over him, mm-hmm. we take Arenado over him, right? Uh, yep. well, that's that's four. I mean, uh, but but the thing is, he's gonna have twenty five steals, so I can't just completely overlook that. No, you can't completely overlook it, but a he's not guaranteed to always do that, and b that's not such a big number that. That, like, I don't, I don't know that twenty steals in the first round is reason to pass up a better player, you know. All right, but, but, uh, okay, that's fair. I just think, first of all, I don't think he's a two sixty hitter, you know. I don't think so either. Not me either. And same amount of walks and strikeouts to me, it kind of reminds me of Goldschmidt, who had a down year last year, but just felt so safe. Because the peripherals were so good, and like he steals bases, like I feel like Betts could have a bounce. All right, fi- I won't fight John Arenado. That's fine. Will, will we take Harper over him? Yeah, that's a tough one. I I don't know. I expect Harper to be better on a per game basis for sure. But um, that's that's a really tough one. Harper and Kershaw to me would be tough. Kershaw, yeah. And then the shortstops yeah. would be tough yep. too. Machado and Donaldson, if Donaldson's there. Uh, no, Correa. I, I mean, I guess there's a lot of guys that you can make arguments for, like Correa and Turner, all the shortstop eligible elites. But like yeah. Chris Bryant, I don't know that I see a reason to take Chris Bryant over Betts. Yeah, I wouldn't. So we're me talking either. maybe like the eight range. I, I don't think I'd take Freddie Freeman over him, Joey Votto. Um, yeah. I was thinking about Votto. It's gonna be I am, 34 I'm, think, next I'm thinking about year. both Votto and Freeman. I'm thinking about okay. Stanton too. So that's eh. why, you know, there's enough players in that mix there. Yeah. That even if, even if I say nay on some of them, I think that still pushes bets to, you know, maybe around 10th or so. Okay. All right. Miguel Cabrera. Al, uh, what do you think about him? 258 batting average, 411 slugging. Awful year for Cabrera. What do you think about him? Can he bounce back? Uh, I'd say not fully, but enough that I think he's going to be a big bargain because I worry about health now with Cabrera, but I think probably everybody else will too. And so I think he'll be a good fallback, maybe. And, and I don't know. Uh, I would think he'd be there in the third round. Oh my gosh, uh, he's gonna. I think he's gonna be more like a sixth round pick next year. Am I crazy? I don't think that's crazy. Um, you know, but I, I would say depending on how fast the first base elite thin out, I might start thinking about him like late in the third round. And and I think he could be a, a big bargain at that point. I mean, the the thing that. You know, lots of analysts come back to again and again with Cabrera is that the, you know, the stat cast stats say he's had a terrific year. Yeah. Uh, so. On, on uh, Fangraphs is the best career line drive rate, best career hard contact rate. But, but yeah. Chris Towers pointed out yesterday it hasn't been the case lately. Okay. Well, and, and, and I'll so. throw another thing in there too that there's a kind of a theme with several Tigers. So that maybe yeah. the, the measure, you know, the measuring devices at Comerica Park run a little hot. Right. Um, you know, but even so, if you look at the away splits, they're still really good. So, yeah. uh, the, it's, the, it's not like it's drastically worse in a way that would justify the base numbers, the, the decline we've seen there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I worry a little bit about the strikeout rate, which has gone up quite a bit this year. And he's at the age where you can expect that. I worry about health with Cabrera. So I know I don't expect a full rebound, but I do expect him to be a really good value wherever he falls to. Scott, next year, do you think you're going to rank Miguel Cabrera or Eric Hosmer higher? I think I'm going to rank Miguel Cabrera higher. Yeah? Okay. Yeah, I think so. I hope Cabrera goes the way of Edwin Encarnacion, which is still respectable, and not the way of Jose Bautista, who <laughs> appears done. Uh, I think he will. I hope so. <clears throat> Jonathan VR. Jonathan VR. I mean, this there's a salvageable... Career at this point for VR, Al? What do you think? Oh, I think so. Uh, I mean, the Brewers have such a, a roster crunch at this point that I, I think he'd probably be a good, 
uh, off-season trade chip. And he just needs to find a, a place where he can play regularly again. He also needs to not strike out so much. He's really regressed in that regard this year. So um, he's, he's definitely a bit of a wild card uh, that I think he could get back to closer to where he was last year. But I don't discount the, the possibility that um, he, he doesn't rebound or that he doesn't find a spot where he can play enough to, to be relevant, uh, you know, other than as a, a steel source. But I think he's always going to have that going for him. Okay. Scott, you care about VR next year? I care about him. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're talking about a late round pick at this point. We're going to have to see if, if the, the Brewers make a spot for him. Sure. But definitely some skills there, skills there still. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Hopefully he'll just be a late round steel source. Get some some at bats. We'll see what happens. I mean, with that's VR. what we he was two years ago. He ended up having this monster year, and suddenly he's an early round pick. But right, he wasn't he wasn't going completely ignored in rotisserie leagues at the start of 2016 when he looked like he was in line to become the Brewers' starting shortstop. And then finally, let's talk about another underachiever. And I would it's all because of injury, but it's Noah Syndergaard who has made just five starts this year. He had two walks and 32 strikeouts in 27 and a third. He's amazing, coming off a year with a 260 ERA and 218 strikeouts in 183 and two thirds back in 2016. Al, uh, what what round do you think you'd be looking at Noah Syndergaard next year? He was probably a third round pick, maybe second round pick in some leagues in 2017. What about 18 for for Syndergaard? Well, for me, I'd say third round, just with with health concerns with him. Um, but I, I kind of suspect that uh, I might be more cautious than a lot of a lot of other owners, and I might just whiff on him next year because I just I can't see pulling the trigger uh, to make him the second player I draft with yeah. all the risk uh, that that I perceive that he he will still have. Yeah, there's no way he's going in the second round, Adam. Not a chance. No, I, I, I think yeah. even just slotting him among starting pitchers, uh, I don't I don't think he's obvious top ten. Now, I was kind of down on him coming into this year, too. I think I had the lowest of the three who ranked up here at CBS, Chris Towers, Heath Cummings, uh, because I, mostly because of health and, well, really more about durability. Right. Just, we hadn't, right. I have an issue drafting a pitcher as an ace if I haven't seen him pitch 200 innings in a season yet, because I don't think everybody in today's game is capable of doing that as hard as everybody throws. Uh, and, and that'll apply even more so next year. So, you know, I've talked a few times on the podcast about how, um, given the, given how much better the aces have been historically, the gap between the haves and have-nots at starting pitcher, how, how valuable aces are relative to the rest of the pitcher pool, how I might go second, third, fourth, all pitchers next year. But I don't think Noah Syndergaard would be among the pitchers I target even in the fourth. Wow. Well, okay, you know that's so. Would you target Strasburg ahead of him? If I have to answer today, yes. Now, if if Syndergaard comes back, makes four starts, and is just dominant in them, I I may reconsider. But um, I have, you know, there there. If he doesn't, there's going to be questions beyond even just the health. Yeah, like I said yesterday, not for me because I I just I'll forgive a guy coming off a long layoff. I suppose maybe if his velocity's like way down. Uh, but, uh, okay, so I guess I was, my follow-up question wouldn't make sense. I was gonna ask who's the highest Mets pitcher next year, but that's gonna be DeGrom. Uh, oh, I know what I was gonna say. You know who I'm a little worried about to go down the Cindergard route? I'm a little worried about Luis Severino. I, like, obviously any Yankees fan wants them to make the playoffs. If you own Luis Severino in a keeper league, you don't want them to make the playoffs. <laughs> he's got the, among the best velocity in baseball, and he's little, especially compared to – he's not like tiny, but he's kind of skinny compared to Syndergaard. Syndergaard's like a – he's Thor compared to Severino, you know? I am yeah. very, very concerned about the future of Luis Severino's arm. Well, first of all, if they make the playoffs and are eliminated in the wild card game, it's as good as not making the playoffs. Except he will so. pitch that game, I would think. You don't think Tanaka? No, I think Severino. I, I, yeah, I would, I would, well. Maybe Sonny Gray. It, it may depend how hard. Or Sonny Gray, yeah. How, how, you know, how easily they do mm-hmm. 
make it into that wild card game. They may need Severino right. just to help them secure it. But right. um, I, I'm hoping we see the Yankees kind of curtail Severino's innings here in September, maybe some five-inning starts in anticipation of a lengthy playoff run because I do think they have the personnel to make a lengthy playoff run. Uh, but if they don't do that and they do advance far in the playoffs, it's it's one of those we'll cross that bridge when we come to it situations. I hear what you're saying. Yeah. Al, I'm going to tell you who's tortured me this year. Andrew McCutcheon has been – just made me look so bad because I was done. I thought he was done. I was done with McCutcheon. And he's made me look so bad all year. But here's a new category. It's called McCutcheon Stinks. He is batting 260 with one home run and one steal in August, Al. McCutcheon Stinks. O'Doyle rules. Not – I, I, I prefer the uh, McCutcheon discussion <laughs> McCutcheon uh, segments that, that we used to have. <laughs> Were you surprised? Are you surprised by the year McCutcheon has had? Yeah, I have to admit, I am. Uh, I, I, he finished pretty strong last year, so I figured he'd have a rebound. I didn't think he'd rebound at this level. Um, and, and this this uh, August slump doesn't really worry me because the the body of work, both career career long and just last twelve months, uh, is is just so slanted uh, towards him. Being a lead outfielder, mm-hmm. but yeah, I, I didn't expect him to overall to have the season he's having. Yeah, the August slump doesn't worry me either, unfortunately. So let's go on to uh, <laughs> let's go on to some pitchers from yesterday. Who is must own? I'm going to give you a pitcher. They're all owned in in like 86 percent of leagues or more. Tell me who you think is must own. Charlie Morton, Scott. Charlie Morton is must own, and actually, in nine starts with his since his return, even though this last one against Washington wasn't the best. 356 ERA, 108 whip, 9.7 strikeouts per nine innings. I mean, those are Carlos Carrasco numbers, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, Tanner Roark. Tanner Roark uh, has been pretty good since the All-Star break. 314 ERA, and opponents are batting 194. He has the Mets this weekend. Al, is Tanner Roark a must-own starting pitcher? He's not. He's he's uh, at best a, a streamer uh, because he even during the stretch – uh, I don't have the, the numbers to document it, but um, he struggled versus lefties this season. And so start by start, I've looked at how he's done against the lefties. And even against the Angels, who are a terrible offense, uh, he allowed hits to three different players. One was Mike Trout, who singled against him, and that was it. Uh, so he's really tough on righties, including Mike Trout. But uh, he got uh, hit by uh, Luis Valbueno, who I think homered and doubled, and, and Calhoun uh I think either homered or doubled against him. So he's really struggled against lefties. You have to look at what the lineup is he's going to face. Okay, so we got a yes on Charlie Morton. We got a no on Tanner Roark. How about Dan Straley, who had a very good start at the Phillies yesterday? He has San Diego at home this weekend. That should be a good one for him. But, uh, Al, back to you. Is Dan Straley, first of all, are you still a Marlins fan? Second, is Dan Straley <laughs> a must-own pitcher? Uh, yeah, I am. All right. And, uh, I, I'm, I'm excited about how they played lately. Are you but, encouraged by new ownership? Because oh yeah, we we can't get Chris <laughs> Towers happy about it. As as much as he wanted Jeffrey Loria out of there, he uh he wants Derek Jeter talking like a, a saber saber metrics guy. Uh, I think it's way premature to to be worked up about that. And uh yeah, I think Chris needs to put things in a different perspective. There I'm very go. excited. Good, good. And the Marlins, by the way, are five and a half out of the wild card. They're not dead yet. But is Dan Straley a must own? I would say just shy of that, uh, because I, I don't trust him entirely. Uh, you know, for example, yeah, you know, got the 10 strikeouts against the Phillies, which speaks in part to the weakness of the Phillies lineup. But he also gave up a couple of homers at Citizens Bank Park. Hostong. Yeah, I know. It's enough already. I'm playing against him in the playoffs. It's enough. <laughs> Hoskins. It's Reese Hoskins, if it wasn't clear. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I saw your tweet yesterday, Scott. Uh, yeah, so I, I, I would say just shy of must start because I don't really trust really entirely uh, in, in tough venues. Okay, so let's go to John Lackey. Scott, previous six starts, 306 ERA, and he was 5-0. and had a terrible start at the Reds yesterday. Is John Lackey a must-start? A must-own. Must-own. No, he isn't a must-own. He's a little behind Straley for me even because I, I feel like Straley, when he's at home, it's a great benefit to him. Better strikeout rate this year. Uh, but the, I, I, the issue I have with both is that even when they're pitching well, they're not pitching very deep. They're not going 
you know, more often than not, they're falling short of the six innings required for a quality start and usually required for a win. Not technically required, but it's tough to win games if you're not going six innings consistently. So they are both matchups types in my book. And uh, Lackey does have a good matchup at Philadelphia this weekend. Jamison Tyone. Let's go back to Scott. He got crushed by the Dodgers yesterday. He walked five. He gave up five runs in five innings on five hits, but with one strikeout at Cincinnati this weekend. Is Jamison Tyone must own? You know, before this start, I might have said yes, just because I, I felt like the good times were lengthier than the bad times. But now this is four of six starts that have been just plain bad. And you look at what it's done to his overall numbers. He has a 485 ERA, a 153 whip. It's not like he was a big strikeout guy in the first place. Uh, I, I don't think we've heard the last of Tyone this year, but I would call him less than must-own. Must-Tyone, not must-Tyone. Al, uh, agree, disagree on Jamison Tyone? Uh, he is so droppable at this point. Sucks. I'm so disappointed. Uh, and Lance Lynn does get the raise this weekend. So Lance Lynn, I mean, the peripherals, are, if you like, like peripherals, you don't like Lance Lynn. Now he's given up two or fewer earned runs in eight straight starts, but he's done that with 20 walks to 29 strikeouts in 49 and a third and 8% swinging strikes. Only two homers, though, in 49 and a third over eight starts. That was going into yesterday where he was a little disappointing against the Padres. Al, is Lance Lynn a must-own player? Well, I I do like peripherals, so no, I'm not really liking Lance Lynn as a as a must own type. I mean, he the thing is he's he's great to stream at home. He had uh, great matchups this week, but he's you know widely enough owned that you can't you don't really have the luxury of doing that. But I I wouldn't want to use a, a roster spot to uh, take the chance when he goes on the road. A um, lot of extra base hits on the road, and it's been masked by a high strand rate that I just at some point he's not going to be able to sustain that. Is, is he, has he usually been a high strand rate guy? Because I feel like he's typically been a pitcher to outperform his peripherals. Yeah, I think some of that is the home park. Uh, so, but let's see, career wise, I'll, I'll pull up his numbers what's here. A, what's a, a normal yeah, strand? Yeah, rate? actually three seasons in a row with a, uh, way above average strand rate. Uh, the typical is about 73, 74%. And last three years, 78, 79, 80. So every year it's going to go up one percentage point. <laughs> you know who else is like that? Sorry, Scott. Uh, Drew Pomerantz is like that. Huh? Yeah, I was because I, I know he had a high strand rate this year, but I was looking and he's he's around eighty percent every year. Drew and I know you well, think that's a, you believe that's a skill, Al. That's something sustainable. Yeah. Lance Lynn is the yeah. first of these that I feel like we've disagreed on, just because you know I I I don't love the peripherals for Lynn. I would guess some. Regression is coming, but kind of like we've been saying with Gio Gonzalez all year, he's just been so reliable at a time when reliable pitching is so rare. I, I just don't know how I could steer away from him at this stage of the season, this critical stage of the season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I mean, I, I get it, and 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 you're right. I, I do think that stranding runners can be a skill, and for him, maybe it is with three straight years. Of, of doing it at a, at a high rate, but he's also not just not as skilled of a pitcher in other ways this year. Uh, a lot more home runs despite the recent string that, that Adam was talking about. Uh, fewer strikeouts, uh, and, and also a much, much lower BABIP, which is helping to mask some of those other things. Alright, so, so I, my, uh, he is not in the circle of trust for me. So out of Charlie Morton, Roark, Straley, Lackey, Tyone, and Lynn, Morton is the only one that we say is must own. Lynn, Al says no, Scott says yes. That does not mean these guys are must-drops. Play the matchups, but maybe there's a hitter that you really want or a two-star pitcher that you really want, and we think that these guys, particularly Roark, Lackey, Tyone, and maybe Straley, maybe, are expendable. Double dongs from yesterday. After I tell you about a great way to find talent for your company, if you're hiring, you need ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter will help you post your job to 100-plus job sites with just one click, and you, of course, can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash strike. So why use ZipRecruiter? Well, you need to get the word out, and ZipRecruiter is different than other job sites. It doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them. <clears throat> Over 80% of jobs posted on ZipRecruiter get a qualified candidate in less than 24 hours. You don't have to juggle emails. You don't have to take calls in your office. You just screen, rate, and manage the candidates all in one place on ZipRecruiter's easy-to-use dashboard. So it's a very simple website. It's very efficient. 
You need to spread the word. ZipRecruiter is going to help. Businesses of all sizes are using ZipRecruiter to find the most qualified candidates with immediate results. Right now, you can post your jobs on ZipRecruiter for free. That's right, for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash strike. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash strike. One more time. Try it for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash strike. Double dongs from yesterday. How about Eugenio Suarez? Over the last 28 days, he's the number three third baseman in fantasy behind Machado and Donaldson. So you get the shortstops out of there. Suarez is the best third third baseman in fantasy over the last 28 days. Uh, Nick Castellanos homer twice, although I, one of them, was one of them inside the Parker? It was. It (laughs) should have been a single. Okay. Um, I kind of feel like they should have scored a three base error, but whatever. I gotta see this. I missed it. Uh, Castellanos is outside the top 20 at third base this year. And Ryan Healy, Ryan Healy's been horrible for a while. He just hit two home runs yesterday. Uh, against the righty, which is weird because he's better against lefties, but since he's the up again. Last ten, he's hit four ten. Really? Yep. All right. Since the break, he's slugging three ninety seven. All right. So Healy's seventy percent. I think Suarez is really the story here because he had a, a very very cold streak. It looked like he was back to being waiver wire fodder, but now Suarez is uh, a top twelve third baseman in both formats. He's it, it, he's having a great was, year. Go ahead. Sorry. It wasn't just a cold streak, Adam. There were some dark days in May, June, and July. He's basically been a different player in August and April than he's been the rest of the season. And ultimately, it's come out to be, like you were pointing out, the ninth best third baseman in points leagues, 11th best in Roto. Um, he has, is he up to 80 walks already or is it an 80 walk pace? He has a ton walks. of walks. 70 walks. A ton of walks. Yeah. And, and yeah, and the plate discipline was terrible last year for Suarez, but much, much but, better this year. But the thing is, even when, even during those dark times, he walked at a high rate. I, I feel like there has been a legit breakthrough here for Suarez that just because of the timing of things has kind of gotten overshadowed. Uh, I wish he had been more consistent because I feel like he would be a player I've been hyping all season if he had been, <laughs> but I'm very much on board with starting him now. I think he needs to be owned everywhere. Al, would you rather own Eugenio Suarez or Matt Carpenter? Ooh. I think I'd still rather own Carpenter. Uh although I'm I'm a little concerned about him. It's getting but, pretty annoying. Uh, <laughs> and you know, I'm I'm gonna look at the schedule here for the Reds because uh I think Suarez has, only has four home runs on the road this season. Mm. And I'm looking at his post uh all star break schedule. The, the Reds started with a, a very long homestand. Looks like it was 10 or 11, 11 games. Then they uh, played a game in Cleveland, went to Yankee Stadium, had a couple of uh, pitcher-friendly parks, but then another homestand. Then uh, the Brewers, Cubs, and Braves, which all have pretty good parks for hitters, and now uh, back home again. Uh, so it's it's been a pretty good set of venues for, for Suarez since the, the All-Star break. Those are and, some drastic home away splits. Yeah. Oh, just just OPS 1043 at home, 727 on the road. I wonder what it was last year. Because sometimes we see that and it's just a complete fluke. Yeah. Um, but last year, 755 at home, 702 away, much closer. I, I don't know. Yeah, his schedule looks pretty safe from here on out. Okay. So, um, <clears throat> Okay. So, uh, so you asked me to compare him to a carpenter. carpenter. Yeah, I'd, I'd still, I'd still go with carpenter, but yeah, it's pretty close. Alright, so, uh, nice, nice season so far for Eugenio Suarez and he's red hot. Uh, okay, so we didn't, we're not gonna get to everything. Let's, let's talk about some slumping players. I wanna know if you're worried about any of these guys. Like, droppable worried. Tommy Pham. Tommy Pham has a 400 on base percentage in the last 28 days. And that's basically all he's doing. <laughs> he is the number 39 outfielder in points, number 45 in Roto in that stretch, despite a 400 on base percentage, two homers, three steals. Um, AJ Pollock, he's really struggling, batting 169 in August, and he's been terrible on the road. And Matt Kemp, it's yikes, yikes, uh, getting really ugly for him. So, uh, fam, Pollock, Kemp, are they droppable? Al. N- not Pollock, uh, even though I know he's been miserable this month. Uh, but there's not really a clear thing to point to. The power, the lack of power doesn't worry me tremendously because that's probably the last thing that I'm really going to count on Pollock for. 
Uh, I just think that there's way too much upside there. But fam, I made a conscious decision to try to trade him. Uh oh. Uh, you don't come couple... on the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast with Scott White and talk smack about Tommy. All right, well, let me make the case here. <laughs> okay. Uh, because, uh, going back to the second week of August, his rest of season schedule, this is another player. He's sort of the anti, uh, anti Suarez, much better road splits in terms of power. And you're right. At, at, at home, he can get on base. He's, you know, has good play discipline. But, uh, since the second week of August, uh, he had a home and home with the Royals and, uh, home against the Braves, Fenway, PNC Park. Then uh, right now they're in the middle of a home stand. And then you look at September and, you know, about half of those games are at Bush Stadium where he doesn't hit for much power. He goes to San Francisco, San Diego, Ooh. Wrigley. Ooh. Wrigley and Cincinnati are fine, but then PNC Park. So you basically got two series that look good for power for Tommy Pham. How interesting. Here's, here's the thing though. I mean, Tommy Pham, this is, this is bad Tommy Pham we're seeing right now and bad Tommy Pham is still reaching base at a 400 clip. Bad Tommy Pham is still barely a top 40 outfielder, but I mean, in what format are you not owning every top 40 outfielder? I actually, when I was doing my, uh, my updating my outfield rankings right before the podcast, I actually moved Tommy Pham up, understanding that he hasn't been as good lately, but just all the ways he's capable of contributing, not just power, but gets on base a lot, steals a fair number of bases. And just what what else has been happening in the outfield position? There have been so many injuries of late. Uh, and then you have guys like Corey Dickerson coming back down to earth. Eric Thames has been coming down to earth all season. Um, so many injuries. Brandon Belt, uh, Odubel Herrera. It, it's basically gotten to a po- the point where there are only about 45 outfielders who I really feel good about starting, as deep as that position was looking early in the year. I think Tommy Pham is firmly among that group. AJ Pollock too. I mean, he's had a disappointing year, but uh still does enough things well and has enough of a pet, uh track record that I'm going to I'm going to stick with him. Matt Kemp's probably the low guy of the three for me, but even him, it's like what better are you going to find on the waiver wire? Well, I mean, before going on the DL, 47 games before going on the DL, Kemp had a 653 OPS. You go look at his head-to-head points, and it's it's you can barely see the bars. If you, if you go to a player page on just the regular cbsports.com/mlb/players, you scroll down a little bit, it'll show you red bars with fantasy points every single week. It's actually very useful for me. Helps me see how guys have been doing for a period of time. And Matt Kemp is is one of the worst. He had a great start, and yeah, he's Thamesing it big time. Probably even worse than Thames. <laughs> Uh, so, I don't know, look, it's just, it's just that we're at the point in the season where you're in the playoffs, you know, a lot of guys, a lot of fantasy owners probably don't need the number 40 outfielder right now because they're, they've got great teams. You know, it's almost like we're not addressing full leagues anymore in certain cases. So I think in a three outfielder league, Matt Kemp is droppable. You don't, Scott? He's, I w- he's on I the borderline. Would, yeah, I, I wouldn't, because he is so streaky. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I would not want to leave him out there for somebody to pick him up if, if uh, you know, if his fortunes turn. As what, real quick, I want to say, uh, I actually agree with pretty much everything Scott said about Fam. Uh, I was just talking more about trading him at, at peak value. Okay. And of course, yeah. at this at this point, it, either because right. of the recent slump or because you can't trade anymore, uh, that's not really going to be relevant advice for for most people. But just to kind of justify the ranking, because I got him, I have him in my top twenty-five now. I mean. Do you trust Fam to remain reasonably productive? Or do you trust Ryan Braun, Johannes Cespedes to stay healthy? Mm, I, 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 I gotta say yeah. Fam, right? I'd go Braun. Okay. And, and probably Cespedes. Cespedes too. is hitting pretty well now. He is hitting well now, but yeah. for how long? Yeah, like I keep saying that seems like a guy that's a candidate to get shut down, Cespedes, at some point. Uh, okay. So let's finish up. Do you guys care at all about uh, Lucas Sims and the start he had? Career Can't high real- four strikeouts. <laughs> 15, <laughs> 28, no. <laughs> He's only 13% owned. But uh, look, Sims has actually held his own against the Dodgers and at Coors Field. I don't know. Is I just he- don't know what happened to the strikeouts because that's what 
got him called up to the majors. So you want to see that before you before you add Lucas Sims? Yeah. All right, let's go through today's matchups. And you tell me, start or sit. Daniel Gossett at Dylan Bundy. Al, would you start either Gossett or Bundy? Uh, that's Bundy at home, right? Yeah. So I'll say negatory on that. Ooh, but the other split is Bundy on extended rest, and he's on very extended rest. He's been really mm. good on, on rest, on long rest. Now, I, I just – Bundy uh, against I the A's know. too. And, yeah, the, everything's right for him except the <laughs> venue, and that's the thing with Bundy I care about the most. Okay. All right. All right. Uh, Scott, it sounds like you're going to start Bundy. Yeah, I would. Okay. Uh, Brewers, Giants, Matt Garza, Matt Moore. Can't do it. I can't either. More, uh, more. I'm a little intrigued by now. Been a little better, but uh, yeah, I have to agree. I'm not going to take the plunge. Marlins at Marlins. Why did I say it like I'm Irish? Ooh, Marlins. the Marlins are at the Phillies <laughs> this afternoon or this evening. Justin Nicolino is at Mark Leiter Jr. Nope. So disappointed in that last Mark Leiter start. Yeah. <laughs> Such too. high hopes I had. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. I saw you tweet something about Mark Leiter and, you know, I saw the two long relief appearances he had and how he was striking out everybody in sight. Um, and then I, I can't remember exactly what you tweeted, but it inspired me to put in claims for Leiter in two really deep leagues we're both in and you outbid me for him <laughs> in both. <laughs> Joke's on Al. Uh, yeah, absolutely it is. Uh, I, I, Rooting for a rebound, even though it's against the Marlins, but uh, not uh, not putting anything behind it. I can't start either him or Nicolino. Rich Hill and Trevor Williams, Dodgers at Pirates. Start Rich Jimmy Hill. Hill. Yeah. Drew Pomeranz, Corey Kluber. I'll take both. Me uh, too. Luis Severino, Jordan Zimmerman. In, in. <laughs> Severino. Yeah. Mike Montgomery at Asher Wojciechowski. Neither. I'll go neither, too. Zach Godley, Chris Flexen. <laughs> Big flex. Godly fan. Godly is yep. going to be Godly again in this one. All right. Great name so. for Flex and not a great start. If if Godly does not have a good start today, I'm not coming on the podcast tomorrow because it's basically going to be the end of my fantasy seasons. I need I need him big time. Marcus Stroman, Austin Pruitt. Stroman. Yep. Erasmo Ramirez, R.A. Dickey. Mariners of Brady. Yeah, I'll roll the dice on Dickey. He's been very reliable of late. Irvin Santana, James Shields. Big I'll Irv. go with Big Irv. Edwin, matchup. Edwin Jackson and Mike Fires. No, thank you. No. No. Antonio Sensatella at Ian Kennedy. No. Pass. Yolisha Seen at Luke Weaver. Ooh, pick up Luke Weaver now before he has this awesome start because he's got two starts next week. <laughs> yeah, uh, and I like him for this one too. I'm starting. I like Shasin too. Yeah. Mm. Uh, mm. I don't do Shasin on the road. But, yeah, understandable. Uh, I don't. I'm hedging Weaver... on both. What? Um, what? You love Luke Weaver? He's got the pods. Padres. I know I love Luke Weaver, but I don't love. I guess it's not his first start of the season, and the last start was a quality start when he had eight strikeouts, I think. So maybe. Uh, yeah, I'll roll the dice on him. I, I'm a little uneasy about it. I don't know but. what Wainwright's timetable is, so I can't promise you Luke Weaver's going to make two starts next week. But he, he's scheduled to. Well, Mike Should. Leake, I think, is not long for the rotation. Yeah, if Weaver does well t- today, I think he'll stay. Uh Listen to what I say. Andrew Kashner and Andrew Heaney. Al, your name begins with A. Would you start either Andrew Kashner or Andrew Heaney? I'm definitely starting Andrew Kashner. Love the matchup and, and, uh, just, yeah, I like what he's done this year. Doesn't give you strikeouts or, or a great whip, but, uh, you know, you should get the win and, and help your ERA with this one. Look at that. It took 59 minutes to hear something that has not been said once all year. <laughs> definitely starting Andrew Kashner. Al Melchior. Uh, okay. And Al, we're gonna end the show. How's life, man? How the hell is life? How are you doing? Life, life is good, uh, out here in Big Sky Country. Yeah, what's what's Montana like? Uh, well, it, it's uh, very mountainous with big valleys, so that's that's why it's the you know the big sky state. Oh, okay. Well, that makes sense. What outdoor? <laughs> I, I'm skeptical the sky is any bigger than anywhere else. Got to be honest with you. How was the <laughs> eclipse? Did you get a good eclipse view? You know, I didn't, and uh, this, this, that was a massive fail on my part because I didn't get the glasses. But I don't think I would have been able to see much because uh, the deal here in Montana right now is, in a lot of the West, uh, very smoky. A lot of fires, been very dry. Oh. So uh, 
probably wouldn't have seen much, but it got very dark and very cold uh, at like 11 in the morning. Wow. All right, everybody well, I do trust a, those glasses anyway. It's probably for the best. Do a rain dance for Al. Thank you for coming on. What a, what a fun show this was. Thanks, Al. Yeah, thank you so much for inviting me. Scott, you're cool too. Eh. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. Mailbag and uh, Wednesday recap tomorrow. Fantasy Baseball at CBSI.com. See you.